Tools for Living, Room to Grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 96. Well, from reality shows to YouTube to online influencers on all the social media platforms, it's like we live in a culture that's absolutely obsessed with celebrity and fame. And if we're not careful, it can creep into the church and corrupt even the purest of intentions, including our own. In today's episode, I have the privilege of speaking with Caitlin Beatty. We talk about the tensions we feel as authors where we're expected to promote our books and yet try not to do it in self-promotion. We also talk about the dangers of celebrity and ministry, our tendency to put people on pedestals and to pick them apart when they fall. And yet also how to speak the truth in love to each other, yet remain willing to receive the truth when it's spoken to ourselves. This is a rich, rich conversation, and I really hope it speaks to your heart like it did to mine. Uh, It's such an honor to have Caitlin Beatty with us in the living room today. Caitlin, she's an incredible woman. She's worn many hats for 10 years. She was a managing editor at Christianity Today, and now she works for my publisher or an arm of my publisher, Brazos Press, with Baker Publishing, acquiring books, but also writing really important messages. It is such an honor to have you with us today, Caitlin. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me in your living room, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Excited about your uh, about our conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I actually saw an interview with you on another podcast and I didn't get to listen to it all, but the title just captured me because I think your book is so important and so timely. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So I recently published a book called Celebrities for Jesus, How Personas, Platforms, and Prophets Are Hurting the Church. And writing really as someone who has observed trends in the church in my professional life as a writer and journalist, but also as someone who is in the book publishing industry now. So I see how celebrity dynamics play out there. And and also, I have a you know, some measure of a public platform. So it's something that I've wrestled with internally as well, asking questions of motive. Is this about glorifying God or self-glory? How do I, how do we all know if it's tipped into something unhealthy? So it just seems that celebrity is in the water (laughs) Mm -hmm. for a lot of us and has had some really unhealthy consequences. And so I really wrote this book to say, how do we identify these temptations around celebrity? Um, How do we get back to a vision of ordinary faithfulness, Um, believing that God sees our heart's desire, he sees our desire to serve him, and even the small, even small things, even things that feel small or mundane or not getting a lot of fanfare, those really matter for the kingdom and just returning to that vision of a kind of ordinary faithfulness. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You're, you're really speaking my language because uh, I was a good girl wanting to do good things for Jesus. And yet that need for significance, you know, I found that ministry, writing, speaking, all of it 
can really be fancy food for the flesh. <laughs> but it mm. seems we're like, we're living in a culture where it's not just a few who are celebrity status. It's almost like everyone mm-hmm. is kind of desiring a platform. It was interesting. I read an article where it said that, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, kids wanted to be, you know, astronauts or, you know, lawyers or doctors. And now they just want to be YouTube stars. Right. And so we're in, like, like you said, it's in the air, it's in the water. And and so I would love to drill down on how you personally, before we dive into the book, how you personally are navigating that push-pull as Mm. that this is kind of the world we're living in that you kind of have to show up. You it's not just enough to write a book anymore. You kind of have to get out there and and do, you know, talk about it. How are you finding that balance? Yeah. Well, there's definitely a tension in trying to get people interested in a book in which I critique self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> and I am, you know, you're asking, how am I navigating this? This is a live question. You know, this is something that I am living yes, through yes. and having to pray about because I don't know any authors who don't want people to read their book. You, you know, as a communicator, as a writer, if you're a speaker you want to touch people's lives you want to shape hearts and minds that is the purpose of communication so you know there's just an element of having to do the work of coming onto podcasts and using social media to talk about the book that i think is fine but coming back to <clears throat> the question am i am i content with whatever god has for this book believing that, you know, all of this is within his plan. And if his plan is for me to sell 200 books, okay. <laughs> if it's just, you know, right, coming to trust God's use of a book in whatever way he wants to use it, believing that truly, if five people are put on a good path because of the book or their lives are changed or their minds are changed or their church is healthier because of the book, believing that that's enough, you mm-hmm. know, um, that depth and transformation is more important than sales success. And then making sure that I am trying to center the work itself and not my You know, I've heard a friend talk about the idea that the work is the platform. It's not me as a kind of image or brand or impressive whatever. It is really pointing people to the book and to the work that I have tried to create rather than myself, if that distinction makes sense. Yeah, I totally, I totally get it. I know uh, it was really interesting because in my writing career early for like the first third of it, I didn't even have a website and I wasn't Mm. online. You know, God had me on a very short leash. But then about the time my second book came out, I felt that release like, okay, it's time. And so you go and you, you, you build it and they don't come. (laughs) 
yeah. you know? <laughs> but, and so, you know, that push pull of how do I, how do I be, walk in obedience to the Lord without feeling this pressure to make things happen. Mm -hmm. And when the Lord really kind of called me to the social media space, which I really fought tooth and nail, just because honestly, I'm way too needy, Caitlin. I'm way Mm. too needy. It was like high school all over again. Please Mm -hmm. like me. Please follow me, blah, blah, blah. But the Lord gave me, just took me to scripture. And I believe it's in Luke where it talks about, you know, when you light a candle, you don't put it under a basket. You put it on a lampstand so that it can give light and people can see. And I felt like the Lord said, Joanna, social media is just the lampstand. You, Mm -hmm. You put your light on it but you don't have to stand in front of it saying, please look at my light. Please look (laughs) at my light. And and so it is this, it is this balance of just doing what we can do. It's like packing our lunch and putting it in Jesus's hands and Mm -hmm. he gets to decide what he does with it. And so Mm -hmm. I -hmm. love that because there is such danger celebrity and you talk about it a lot in the in the book just about um, these men and women who started out well wanting to serve Jesus with a real heart and a message and yet with success actually came danger and mm-hmm. um, you know we think we think it's success is is the highest thing that that's like God's favor but sometimes it can actually be a trap and a snare and I loved how you talked in the last chapter about Jesus and how Satan with the last part of the book how Satan tempted Jesus with some of the things that he likes to tempt us with could you kind of unpack that a little bit mhm yeah well i i do think of celebrity as a kind of social power, you know, the ability to shape and kind of uh, shape hearts and minds and also find a kind of adoration. I think celebrity really appeals to the part of ourselves that wants to connect or attach or, you know, if you are the celebrity, receive a kind of um, sense of self-worth, a sense of purpose and value, a sense of accomplishment. Um, for Jesus, you know, that temptation in the desert, being tempted three times by Satan, you know, all of those temptations were in a way temptations for Jesus to take matters into his own hands, yeah. um, to take tools or opportunities that Satan was presenting and do things his way instead of according to the plans and purposes of God. And there was this, you know, renunciation of worldly power throughout Jesus's ministry. It's not to say that he didn't have godly power, right? right? Um, And in a way, Jesus was famous in that people followed him to hear him speak and teach. He captivated audiences. He was performing miracles and healings. People wanted to see that, you know, even though their motive might have been, I want to see what all the buzz is about and the spectacle. And yet we see Jesus frequently going away from the crowds to be alone with God. Um, You know, he had this circle of friends. They weren't particularly glamorous 
or impressive people. Jesus was willing to associate and even touch people who would have been seen as unclean or not advancing your social standing in in mm-hmm. his time. So it seems like Jesus was able to release control. You know, he had power, but he was also able to release control over to God. And I think what can happen for us when we find ourselves with some measure of success or attention or people want to hear what we have to say, whether that's in a book or on a podcast or whatever, it's the temptation of control. Mm -hmm. Um, controlling a message, controlling an image, wanting to control what God might do with a book or our message. Um, And again, this is, you know, as I said, this is a live question having to release. I mean, I'm a type A person. I like structure and plan. And a lot of that I'm realizing is actually about a control. Mm -hmm. And, um, do do I believe that I can release all of this over to God for his purposes? And something that you know, I think all of us can wrestle with is if God asked me to step away from all of this public work, could I do it? Yeah. Could I let go? Could mm-hmm. I be content with a light this life of ordinary faithfulness? Yeah. And if that feels really hard, <laughs> okay, what is that about? Is there is there some other dynamic here at work that I need to examine and ask God to transform in me? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So big. I I you know, going back to my young adulthood and really truly loving Jesus and wanting to do something significant for him, but for whatever reason, God confounded everything, (laughs) all of my dreams and all of my hopes and how I thought it was going to unfold. He just confounded it. And and I remember reading a quote that just has almost become just the guiding principle. And it was this, it was from an anonymous pastor who said, I don't think I was of any use to God until I made peace with being ordinary. Mm. And There's so much power in that, like just the ordinary things of life, you know, because when you look at, you look at the Bible, there are only a handful of named people. There, Mm -hmm. there's scores of unnamed people. You know, you think of Hebrews 11 and we've got the big names in the hall of faith, but then there are all those unnamed individuals who didn't have big ministries. In fact, many of them were martyred and it says the world was not worthy of them. And I wonder sometimes, sometimes in chasing a name here, if we're not really missing out on, <laughs> on, on first of all, just knowing Jesus, like that intimate friendship, because we're so busy serving Jesus. Mm. And I, I know you were talking about just that dynamic that happens with these really charismatic powerful leaders in in the church that that God has blessed seemingly blessed their ministry and it grows and it flourishes and it and it becomes bigger than life and 
and all of a sudden they get lost in it all mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. power does corrupt. What are mm-hmm. some of the what are some of the warning signs? And I think you've kind of touched on some of them, but what are some of the warning signs that really are applicable for all of us? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I in the book I define celebrity as social power without proximity. Mm. So it's it's finding yourself with a lot of power to shape hearts and minds and touch a lot of people. But over time, what can happen is that you actually, there's a distance between you and other people. Um, you get sucked up into ministry and actually you're not spending as much time with the people who know you warts and all and, yeah. you know, love you apart from what you accomplish or see, yeah, you, you have this big ministry, but that's only a slice of who you are, you know, but it's, it's, it's more, it can be more satisfying to have a lot of fans instead of friends who really deeply know you and actually know your shortcomings as well as your accomplishments and, you know, the things that you do well. So I would say if there's a this sense of, I'm being a pulled I'm being pulled away from real relationship whether that's in my family in my church in my neighborhood in my community if I'm if whatever's going on here with the celebrity dynamic is more appealing or is taking my time and energy and attention away from the people who know me and love me that would be a warning sign when we're thinking about accountability you know I would say every everybody in a position of church leadership knows that accountability is important. No yeah. one's going to deny that. Sometimes accountability can be kind of a name only. So really asking if you're in a position of leadership, are there people around me who can truthfully, honestly answer the question, how do you experience me? Yeah. Ooh. Can they say the hard, true thing and can I receive it? Yeah. And I know that that is a big ask for all of us because none of us enjoy actual accountability where we have <laughs> to hear the hard thing, but really getting into the interpersonal workings of accountability and making sure that they actually are there and not just are there in appearance. I would say that is another kind of thing to examine. Um, And then how fixated we might become on success in terms of numerical growth. Yeah. That can happen, you know, in a church or ministry in terms of how many people are coming to our events. But of course, you know, we are both in book publishing. It can happen in terms of how many copies of the book have sold or how many social media followers do I have? And just not not confusing numerical success with God's blessing. Yeah. And not becoming fixated on the numbers as the way we know we're doing the right thing. Because all sorts of things grow. (laughs) You know, in the natural world, weeds grow cancer grows. So it doesn't a growth doesn't necessarily mean it's growing in a healthy way mm-hmm. or for healthy purposes. So just 
I, I know all of us feel like, well, numbers matter to some extent, but I would say they're just one data point hmm. and they're not the point. They're not the, you know, the reason that you and I are on Instagram is not to see the Instagram numbers grow. It's, it's to share a message with people who are there to listen and, and hear from us. Yeah. So good. You know, I, I always think it's so interesting that God told David not, you know, he he wasn't supposed to take a census. You know, Israel wasn't supposed to be counting all of their their soldiers and everything. And it's kind of a weird story at the end of his life where he does do a, a, a census and then he's struck with guilt and shame. And, you know, and I found that myself, you know, like, am I having to check the stats to prop up mm-hmm. my work? You know, because one, one or two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to be inordinate inordinately proud or really, really discouraged. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. And, and I, I, you know, it's so funny because there is times where I feel like, and the one benefit, Caitlin, of getting older is I really do feel like a lot of the power that those things have had is beginning to diminish, but oh Mm. my goodness, all it takes, all it takes is, a weekday where I start looking to numbers and people for approval. And, you know, I look at Jesus's life. And one of the things I, I, I read a quote many years ago where, where he was never in a hurry. You know, he, mm. he went from place of prayer to place to prayer, a prayer and did miracles in between. He mm-hmm. says, I only do what I see the father doing. You know, he wasn't gauging what he should do by the crowd. Right. And even thinking about the fact that Jesus didn't enter public ministry until he was 30, had three, three and a half years in public ministry. You think about by our standards, oh, what a, what a waste of time. Or why didn't he start earlier? Why didn't he maximize his, his time? And, you know, it just, again, coming back to that image of Jesus as he spent most of his life perfectly content to be kind of relatively unknown. Yes. Except among his, you know, nearest community and family. Yeah. And didn't, we read about numbers in, in the gospels. So many people came to this, you know, the healing or the miracle of the loaves and fishes. But then so much of it, too, was Jesus's one-on-one encounters Mm -hmm. with very specific people and that he was willing to stop and meet one-on-one. And that wasn't a waste of time. You know, he was willing to invest in the person right in front of him. That is so good. I wonder if that's another quality we need to cultivate is that being interruptible, (laughs) that Mm. our agenda isn't as important (laughs) as his, that he might, he might interfere Mm. for a purpose that I may not understand here on earth. Oh, when, you know, as we're just thinking about celebrity and what it's doing to the church, you know, where I sometimes wonder if we're not the ones who are creating the issue by putting people on pedestals and then being shocked when they fall. Um, 
How do we navigate that on the other side of celebrity? Mm, well, first, I, I think you're right that celebrities wouldn't exist without us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not enough to say that person just wasn't mature enough or grounded enough or just got caught up. You know, we enable people to feed on celebrity power. So some of this is asking what needs are being met in our attachment to a a celebrity figure and putting somebody up on a pedestal. Is it that we don't feel confident in our own faith journey? And so we, we turn people into heroes to kind of as, as, as a symbol of what we aspire to be. Um, have we overprioritized um, leadership gifts and communication gifts and public speaking? And have we neglected other really important spiritual gifts yeah. in the life of the church? Um, you know, I think about the gift of hospitality mm. and um, that's not necessarily a, a, a gift that when you exercise it, you're going to get a lot of attention, right? right. People who have that gift are often working behind the scenes to make sure that pe- other people's needs are being met. Um, so just coming back to a fuller understanding of spiritual gifts and they're all needed in the body of Christ, you know? Um, and then in terms of, okay, let's say someone who has been on a pedestal falls. Um, I think that's an opportunity for any community, both individually and corporately to say, what was it about that dynamic that we fed into? Um, were there things we could have done early on, earlier on to, truly inject accountability into this body? And then can we come back to this vision of lay believers being empowered to do the work that God has given this church to do? It's not all up to the the person in front or the person on the stage or the person whose messages we're watching on a screen. All of us have an important role to play and do we all feel empowered and equipped to play our part? So those would be a a few things I would think would, would be helpful questions kind of after a fall. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've, I've really felt the Lord over the, especially this last decade, just have me pray for some of those people that he has, he has given them a powerful platform, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and they are influencing lives in powerful ways. And just to really almost as the body of Christ to take on that responsibility to intercede and cover them in prayer. Because of course the enemy, the Bible says, you know, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And so mm-hmm. I think there's yeah, that, that importance of accountability, but also that we're really upholding our leaders in prayer. Mm-hmm. We're living in this weird world, Caitlin, where yes, we're, we're feeding the celebrity culture, but then on the flip side, oh my goodness, I have never seen such an attack on Christians by Christians. 
and mm. nitpicking and mm-hmm. almost becoming the theology police and creating <laughs> websites where where little sound bites are are dis- dissected and people's credibility their even their integrity mm. and their their own person is being shredded by this critical spirit Mm-hmm. You know, h- how do we find that holy balance where we're clear-eyed and we we're and and we're accountable and yet we're not so critical? I, I worry that we're we're doing the very thing that Paul warned against. You know, be careful that in backbiting you don't devour each other. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we are definitely in a time when I wonder if because of some of the stories of fallen pastors or leaders that we've seen in recent years, you know, it is just the case that when you reach a certain celebrity status, people will adore you or abhor you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can have a fan or you can have an enemy, but it's hard to have a real friend when you're Mm -hmm. a celebrity and people will turn on you at some point. And I think Part of what's going on in that dynamic is that we we stop seeing a person as a person. We stop seeing they are an image bearer of the Lord. They are equipped by Christ to do work in the world. They have families. They have people close to them who love them and care for them. Like They have a life off the stage and off the screen that is precious. And so... In all in saying all of this, I think it's it's important to be able to speak the truth and love. And sometimes it feels like, well, no one in their immediate circle is addressing this. So then there, there are more drastic measures. But making sure that even when we're saying hard things about leaders who have abused their power in some way, that it is coming from a place of wanting the church to be healthy and whole. Yeah. And not to make ourselves feel better or feel righteous yes. or feel like, you know, that it there's a sense of the truth needs to be spoken so that we can all find a better collective witness and help churches um foster healthier cultures than backbiting for its own sake because that just feeds all sorts of negative um impulses, I think, in us. Yeah. Well, the Bible, you know, clearly shows us what that we are. There's this mutual accountability. Uh, if we see a brother caught in his sin, and it says, you who are humble, <laughs> godly, mm. you humbly go to them. And so there's almost like we've got to do a heart check first. Because mm-hmm. until we can really be speak the truth in love, then we got to make sure we're coming from the right place. And I think also making sure we're using the right platform, you know, that we're not just attacking people. The Bible says you go to that person if you've got ought with them. And so I think even really getting biblical about how we do some of this is really important because, you know, things we're living in a time where, every, you know, all of it is true. <laughs> Power corrupts. And mm. yet there are these wonderful people who are really trying to do God's will. And and there's also people, wonderful people who have made really horrible choices. And the ramifications are shaking the foundation of the church. It is, 
I've been in ministry for 40 years, Caitlin, and it is the weirdest time. Mm-hmm. We're hypercritical. And yet at the same time, I feel like we are undermining the values that we hold so dear mm-hmm. by, by also exalting behavior that is less than Christ-like. And, and I, I guess one of the things I wondered is in this whole Christian celebrity, celebrity for Jesus culture, that we've got to be so wary and wise as we walk. I worry a little bit about the politicization of Christianity, especially in the United States, mm-hmm. and where we're almost Christianizing a political party that doesn't necessarily uphold the entire Word of God, and we're almost lifting up people whose maybe character isn't matching what the Word of God has called us to. And mm-hmm. and again, I, I walk the line and the danger of becoming critical in my own spirit about that. Mm-hmm. I just was, how, how do we navigate this weird, <laughs> weird time? <laughs> well, I, I haven't lived through as many, and I'm not trying to say you're well, you are older than me. I'll just say that. That's right. I'm fine. <laughs> I haven't with that. lived as many through as many cycles of the American church, but I'm not surprised to hear you say this is the weirdest time. Mm-hmm. I think internet culture and um the wielding of social media against each other and the level of discourse and the fracturing that it has helped create is truly unparalleled. Um, We are living in a time of profound loss of trust in institutions, you know, kind of institutions that even 30 or 40 years ago would have been shared in common by either most Christians or most Americans like, oh, we may disagree about certain things, but we all watch the same nightly news. We all read yeah. the same newspaper. Um, so profound loss of trust in institutions, in part because there has been abuse within institutions. Mm-hmm. And we think, well, how can I trust the people leading these institutions when these terrible things are going on um, behind closed doors? And in that loss of institutions and a common narrative, all sorts of, this is a time where it's ripe for conspiracy theories, for untruth, um, for false ideas to be promoted. And it doesn't take long to spend any time on the internet and find how prominent that is. So I just keep coming back to the primacy of embedded and embodied community Mm -hmm. and whether that's in the local church, but also in our common life together as neighbors in community, um, in our workplaces, we can't solve the deep divides without seeing our neighbors as truly flesh and blood neighbors made in the image of God. Yeah. And um, and just becoming, I think, wise. I think you know, wisdom and discernment are such important 
gifts to try to develop in this yeah. time. Um, and really um, getting wise about questions of character for our leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be really hard when somebody has experienced early success in their life and their gifts are very central to like maybe an exponential growth in a church or ministry, it becomes harder to step back and ask those questions of wisdom and discernment because the thing is growing and people's lives are being changed and people are coming to the Lord. And I never want to denigrate the value of that, wherever it's happening, however it's happening. But making sure that we're not playing into an ends justify the means approach. Yeah. Because actually the means that we use matter for the integrity of the gospel that we hope people are hearing and coming to. Amen. How we do things is is important as what we do. Oh, so true. You know, you mentioned integrity, and that was the word I was thinking of. You know, uh, you're right. When things are going well, we think we have God's favor. You know, we think things are great. You think of the story of Saul. It says he he didn't even know that the Spirit of God had departed him. And mm. and so we we've really got to keep that heart check before the Lord for ourselves. Um for, uh, and praying for others. But I think that word integrity comes from the word for integral, whole, you know? Mm-hmm. So I can't, I, if, if I am only chasing my ministry, if I'm only, I'm an author and I've got to make things happen, you know, I think I love that whole idea of community means I've got to come with all that I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not just an author. I'm not just a pastor's wife. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a fr- being, being whole and, and asking the Lord, you know, to, I, I think of that verse that says, you know, that to, I can't remember exactly how it said, but something about um, that you would be sincere, that your faith, mm. your love would be sincere. And it's that idea of marble without flaw, you know, that that there's no, no gaps, but that we're really letting God have access to every place. And there are so many pl- ways, places we could go with this conversation. But um, any last thoughts? And then I would just love to have you pray over us. Hmm. Well, as a last thought, I mean, so as someone who's been in journalism and book publishing for my whole career, I am, if I, if there's a spectrum of cynicism and positivity, I am tempted always toward the cynical side, but I actually have, so this last statement is going to maybe be surprising, but I actually have a lot of hope. Yeah. Yeah for the future, because even though it feels like the foundations are shaking and a lot has come and done and fallen apart and there's disappointment and grief and disillusionment, that period and that reckoning leaves space for health, a healthier and stronger and more integrated whole way forward. So 
just in talking to different Christians over the last several years, you know, yes, there there seems to be this reckoning, but there's also this hope that after the reckoning, there can be, you know, God is doing something in the midst of it. And um, we have to trust that where he's taking us is going to be stronger and healthier and better, even if it looks smaller or even if it doesn't look as impressive as what we've built in the past. Um that God is sovereign over this really weird <laughs> time. Yeah. Um, and that he's going to use it for good things to come. So I really, I really believe that. And for that reason, I am hopeful, even though, you know, writing this book on celebrity, it's a, it's a hard topic. It's a serious topic. Um, there were days in researching it where I thought, oh my gosh, this problem just goes really deep. Mm-hmm. And I maybe a part I've played a role in it but mm-hmm. getting to the end of the book and realizing actually I'm I'm hopeful um because if we're not having the conversations like you and I have had Joanna we can't start to identify and address the problem so even the fact that people are ready to have the conversation gives me hope oh that's so good that's so good oh well I am just grateful I am grateful that you know like I think it's Hebrews says that God allows things to be shaken so that the unshakable will remain. Mm. And I think if we can just open our lives to that, <laughs> like God, shake yeah. me, break me, change me, rearrange me, but whatever you do, don't leave me the same. Mm. That's so good. Will you pray for us? Yes, thank you. Lord, thank you for this chance for Joanna and I to come together and we are having this conversation because we love you and we love your people and we love your church. And we want, um, we want to see the church reflect your beauty Mm -hmm. and glory. Amen. And so just hold on to us during this shaking, um, this time that we're living in, um, in our respective, uh, ministries and work and writing, um, just hold hold on to us, allow us to hold steadfast to you and give us that hope for the future that what you are doing is beyond our imagining, um, that you are taking us someplace good <laughs> mm. beyond which that which we can imagine and um, help us to remain faithful to you in all that we do, whether it's public or private or seen or unseen or successful or very ordinary. Help us to always do this in in service of you and your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what stood out most to you today? I'd love to hear from you over at Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at Joanna Weaver Books. You'll find a graphic that promotes the episode where you can leave a comment. And I'd love to hear what dangers of celebrity do you see especially among Christians, and what unhealthy parts may have crept into your own heart. You can find links to Caitlin's books and resources over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 096. And I hope you'll share this episode with a friend. But most of all, 
would you join me in really just giving an extra prayer covering for Christian leaders as they proclaim the truth of Christ? I believe the enemy has a target on their back. He wants to eat away at their foundations so that they discredit the name of Jesus when they fall. We have a responsibility as believers to pray for our pastors and our churches, as well as Bible teachers, even tele-evangelists who are proclaiming the truth of Christ. And so let's do that as we close today. Oh Lord, would you just draw us all closer and closer to you? Make us teachable and correctable. May we avoid that self-promotion and the pride and the insecurity that makes us try to do this, even ministry in the flesh. But most of all, would you draw us close to you so that we can know you so intimately that you fill us completely, because that's how the world's going to see Jesus, imperfect men and women who humbly follow you, so filled with integrity and the power of the Holy Spirit that they live and love and lead like you. Amen.